I feel the Spirit stirring things up in here this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel uh, that way this morning. Um, so again, just happy you all are here. We serve a good and gracious God, a living and active uh, Father who is alive and well today, interacting with us today. So this morning's uh, message uh, is approaching PG-13, maybe more PG-12 or 11, um, but this morning we're going to be talking about the physical erotic act of love. Um, so if you are uncomfortable having your child hear this, then I'll give you another chance to send uh, your uh, child down to junior church where I'm sure... I'm not sure, I haven't talked with Karen, but I'm pretty positive they will not be talking about the physical erotic act of love. I'm getting a thumbs up there. Uh, but if they've had, yeah, see you, Ben, out of here. Uh, <laughs> but if they've had the talk, uh, then I would say it's appropriate and I would say uh, it's important for them uh, to hear what we have to say uh, this morning. Uh, so today, uh, we will be talking about S-E-X, sex. There, I said it, sex. We're talking about sex today, and on the count of three, I want you all to say sex as well. All right, you ready? One, two, three. There we go, great job. Now raise your hand if talking about or listening to someone talk about sex makes you feel uncomfortable or awkward. Yeah, I probably got two hands raised up uh, this morning, uh, and, and I'm guessing uh, a lot of us aren't being too honest with ourselves or too embarrassed. I'm guessing this is going to be awkward for all of us. It's awkward for everyone to talk about sex in a public setting, especially probably hearing it from your pastor uh, from uh, the pulpit. Um, but this morning, I just want us to leave all of those awkward feelings, those awkward sensations jittering down our spine uh, right now, um, as I believe this is a really important topic for us to address this morning. And so today, our morning message is entitled, The Truth About Sex, The Bible Versus Society. And there is an absolute ton to talk about with this uh, topic of sex. And today we are only going to be scratching the surface. I'm sure down the road we will be doing a more in-depth uh, series um, about sex. As again, we're, we're, we're just barely, barely scratching the surface uh, this morning. But as we talk about uh, sex and comparing and contrasting the truths of the Bible and what society tells us, we're going to be talking about four uh, different topics this morning. Number one, we're going to be asking the question, is sex a good thing? We're going to be taking a look at what society has to say about that, or we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about that. The second topic that we're going to talk about this morning is sex outside of marriage. The third topic revolving around sex will be pornography, and the fourth uh, topic that we will address uh, is homosexuality. And, and again, the, these are just four uh, common uh, topics that are brought up today in our culture and our society that revolve around th this greater idea of sex. And we have to be equipped, we have to know what the Bible says about all of these different things, because we're all aware. We're, we're, none of us are blind here from, from what, what's going on around us. We, we, we all know 
society is talking about these different things. They're talking about sex. They're talking about sex outside of marriage. They're talking about pornography. They're talking about homosexuality. And if we don't address what the Bible has to say about these different topics, then we're only going to be made aware of what society has to say. And spoiler alert, what society says about these different topics can uh, vary dramatically compared to what the Bible has to say about these different uh, topics. And so today, we're going to be starting off with each of these different topics, taking a look at what society says, and then we're going to take a look at what the Bible says. And this isn't really going to be uh, like a traditional sermon where I'm preaching it to you guys. This is going to be, you can kind of view this more as a Bible study, as we'll be going through um, a handful of different uh, Bible passages uh, this morning as we really want to know, or I, want really, I really want to know what the Bible has to say about these different issues. So topic number one, and this would be a great message for you to, to go ahead and take notes, whether that be on your phone. I, I'm someone, uh, my favorite feature on my phone is my notes. Uh, it, it, it syncs up with my laptop, with my computer now in the office, and I have hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of notes. You got you to gotta have some sort of system to collect your ideas. So I would encourage you to find some sort of way to take notes of what we have to say today of what the Bible has to say about these different topics. So topic number one, is sex a good thing? So what does society say about is sex a good thing? Well, well, at least from what my perspective, society says that sex is awesome. Sex is awesome. That, that's what society uh, tells me. I don't know if you guys are getting the same message from society, but that is what society tells us. The society uh, around us here in America encourages us to explore the sexual world. If you're into psychology at all, I remember uh, from high school um, studying Sigmund Freud, who many of us may be familiar with. He basically says that everything boils down to sex. And, and, and so when we're asking what does society think about is sex a good thing, there's really absolutely zero debate to be had. I mean, go, go ahead and look on Netflix, look on uh, any of these other streaming services, turn on your TV, turn on the radio. Society, mainstream society is telling us that sex is a good thing. Anyone who would discourage sex uh, would not fit in uh, the mainstream society that we all live in. So that's what our society has to say. Now, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say sex is a good thing, or does the Bible say sex is a bad thing? And to help us answer this question this morning, we're going to be going ahead, and our first passage that we'll be taking a look at is from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, we're going all the way back to the creation of the world. And so in this uh, account of the creation of the world in chapter 1, God made, the, day, God made uh, the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the sixth day, God created mankind. And so we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it reads, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. So this is God blessing the, the man and the woman. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
So the very first command that God gave to mankind was to have sex. That, that, that was the first command that God gave mankind recorded in the scriptures. I'm, I'm surprised we have no amens from the men uh, in this room. I'm going to be your best friend uh, starting here uh, early on. Uh, and we see, uh, if we jump down to verse 31 of chapter 1, it reads, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God, after he was done creating the heavens and the earth, he looked at all that he had made, and he said, wow, this is very good. And a part of that very good creation was man and woman and God's command for them to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, God's command for them to have sex. So long story short, the Bible teaches us from the very beginning that sex is indeed a good thing. Any amens now? Yeah, there, yeah only men said amen, of course. So typical. Um, but if you have any doubts about this, of whether a sex is a good thing or not, according to the Bible, then on your own time, go ahead and read through the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And if you've not read that before, some of you guys will be shocked at what is recorded uh, in that book of Song of Solomon as it is a it's a sexual book that, that, that encourages the, the sexual behavior between uh, the, the soon-to-be bride and groom. And so go ahead and read that on your own time. But this is one category that society and the Bible agree. Society and the Bible both say that, yes, sex is a good thing. That's really quite uncommon for mainstream society in the Bible to agree on a certain topic. But the first topic is, is sex a good thing? Those two do truly indeed that, yes, sex is a good thing. So that's topic number one. Topic number two that we'll address uh, this morning is sex outside of marriage. And now, what does society tell us about sex outside of marriage? Well, I'll say that society does discourage us to have sex with someone who is married. And if they specifically are not your spouse, then from my experience, society does discourage you to engage in sexual activity with another person's spouse. From my experience, I've also noticed that society discourages people who are married to engage in sexual activity with other people who are not their spouse. That, that one may be a little more up in the air, um, but from my general experience of society, they would discourage that uh, from my personal experience. However, when it comes to our society, if we see someone who is not married and we ourselves are not married, then as far as society is concerned, they are free game. Society would tell you, go get them tiger. They, they are open. It's fair game. Go engage in that sexual activity. Uh, my sister, uh, now a senior at Western Michigan University, um, when she was a freshman uh, at orientation going into college. So remember, she, she's not been in college for a day of her life. And at this freshman orientation with all these other teens with hormones going absolutely bonkers, you never believe what they had at their university, or at least I would have never believed it at that moment. They had a condom fairy going around the university encouraging the students to engage in safe sex. 
They, they, they were trying to create an environment, encourage these students to, to engage in this safe sex by, by having these different condom fairies. And, and that, that, when I heard that, that absolutely blew my mind. Uh, to say the very least, that was a bit of a different experience that I had at uh, the Bible college. I can assure you there's no condom fairies at the Atlanta <laughs> Bible college, thank goodness. So parents, be aware of what sort of situation you are sending uh, your kids to, because from a very young age, from the time that kids are really kids and teenagers, uh, society is kind of shoving down their throat that sex outside of marriage is indeed a good thing, and it should be sought after. Our society is trying to create these safe environments for people to engage in sexual activity. So that's what society teaches us from my own personal experience. I guess your experience is pretty similar to mine as well. Now, what does the Bible have to say? What does the Bible have to say about sex outside of marriage? And to help us answer that question, we'll be starting in the book of Deuteronomy. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. And we'll be studying Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 22, the Israelites, they are receiving uh, a number of different laws. Um, and in this section where they're receiving a number of different laws, it reads in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 13, it reads, If any man takes a wife and goes into her and then hates her, and accuses her of misconduct and brings a bad name upon her, saying, I took this woman, and when I came near her, I did not find in her evidence of virginity. So what we have here in this setting is we have a law about two, uh, one man and one woman who are newlyweds. And if these two newlyweds come together and the man accuses the woman of not being a virgin, then this issue is brought to the elders of the city. And, and the elders of the city, they kind of have this trial of whether or not this uh, woman was a virgin. And the parents of the bride, they would bring the cloak from the wedding night. Um, not to get too graphic, but uh, if the cloak had blood, then she would indeed be viewed as a virgin at the time of marriage. And if they were not able to come up with this evidence that she was indeed a virgin, then we read, if we skip down in verse 20, it reads, but if the thing is true that she wasn't a virgin, that she had sexual activity with another man before marriage, then reads, that evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Yeah, wow, it's right, absolutely. That, that, that should be your reaction. Wow, that, that, that is a strong stance against sex outside of marriage. Where if this virgin was, or if, if this new bride was not found to be a virgin, then she was stoned to death by all the men of her city. Wow is absolutely correct. They, they, they did not mess around with this issue of sex outside of marriage. 
If we read in verse 22, it reads, If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. So if a man uh, has sexual relations with a woman who is already married, then both of them shall die as well. In verse 23, it reads, If there is a betrothed virgin and a man beats her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So if a woman is betrothed, a betrothed virgin, betrothed base, uh, it's a little different, but in our modern day context, kind of like someone who is engaged, um, not quite, uh, it's a little more in depth than than just simply someone who is engaged. But if someone uh, has sexual relations with someone who is betrothed to another man, then they are both killed as well. And so to me, it's pretty clear God, God, God's view on sex outside of marriage. Nowhere, uh, you know, if, if you search this topic on the internet, you'll see some sites that, that say, nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't have sex outside of marriage. And that's true. Nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly say you, you cannot have sex outside of marriage. However, this is pretty doggone clear to me, that, that, that God forbids sex outside of marriage marriage. I mean, he was so strict about it that people would be put to death if they violated uh, these rules. And this sort of sentiment is echoed in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 4. You don't have to necessarily flip there this morning. Uh, It'll be behind us. Just reading one verse. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, uh, the writer of Hebrews writes, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So in, the, in echoing the same sort of sentiment, God says, let the marriage bed be undefiled. So, so let the marriage bed, let the, let the activities had in a marriage bed be kept in a marriage bed and let it not be uh, defiled. Let, let it be undefiled. So to me, it seems pretty clear. Sex outside of marriage, according to the Bible, is not approved. It's something that we must stay away from to the best of our abilities. So that's topic number two. And we see here, first topic, where society and the Bible, they clash. They clash hardcore. Where society, we we have condom fairies at our different universities for these young teenage uh, boys and girls filled with these different hormones. And the Bible tells us that that it it is condemned. It was a condemned behavior. So the third topic uh, that we will talk about uh, this morning is pornography. Um, now, raise your hand if you like the MLB. Raise your hand if you like the Major League Baseball. Raise your hand. I want everybody to raise your hand if you like, not everybody. I want everybody to raise your hand if you truly do like M- the MLB, Major League Baseball. Raise your hand. All righty. Awesome. Raise your hand if you like the NBA, the National Basketball Association, the professional uh, basketball in uh, the United States. Raise your hand. All right. Raise your hand, I'm, I'm guessing there'll be more hands here. Raise your hand if you like the NFL. The, raise them high so everyone can see. Awesome, yeah. 
Those are three pretty big industries uh, in our society. What if I were to tell you today that the porn industry makes more money than all three of these combined? Yeah, some of us know that statistic. Makes more money than the three biggest sports here in America, not individually, but combined. All right, raise your hand if within this past month you uh, watched something on Netflix. Raise your hand. Yeah, there we go. Raise your hand if within this past month you went on Amazon. Whether or not you bought something, you just went on Amazon. All righty. Raise your hand if within this past month you went on Twitter. Raise your hand. A couple. So according to Medium.com, porn sites get more visitors each month than all three of these combined. That, that blew my mind more than, I wouldn't have guessed more than Netflix alone, but more than Netflix and Amazon and Twitter combined. So this porn industry is gigantic. It, it is absolutely gigantic. And society seems to encourage this gigantic industry. You know, you, you could make the point that some, uh, some of the mainstream society would discourage it if you are in a committed relationship but uh, I think we could all agree that mainstream society would have no problem with pornography if we were not in a committed relationship. Can we all agree on that this morning? I would, at least from my personal experience. I'm guessing your experience is pretty similar to mine. So society seems to encourage uh, this gigantic industry. Now, what does the Bible have to say about pornography? On a technical level, the Bible has nothing to say about pornography. The, the word pornography does not appear in the Bible. Uh, the word is constructed from two Greek words, pornea and uh, graphy, and uh, those two words combined, it, it, it's not found uh, in, in our Bibles. You, you might, maybe your translation might uh, take some liberties with this, and so maybe your Bible actually does include uh, the word pornography. But if you go down to the original Hebrew, the, the original Greek, the word pornography does not uh, appear in our Bibles. However, pornea, really, really kind of uh, the, the, the main word um, in this uh, pornography, pornography um, setting here, is found in the, in the Bible multiple times. And, and so, uh, a lot of times when you see the word whoredom or fornication or adultery or sexually immoral, that is the Greek word pornea, where we get uh, the first part of the word porn, pornography, uh, the uh, visuals of, yeah, that, that pornea. And so um, although the exact word pornography is not found in the Bible, uh, we know that pornography is all about lusting after other people. That, that, that's why it's such a big industry is because it's all about getting people to lust after other people, something that a lot of us naturally do. A lot of us, we naturally lust after other people. And so what does the Bible have to say about this concept of lusting after other people? Well, here we take a look at the words of Jesus himself. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 27 and 28 
This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, he has a huge crowd before him as he's preaching on this mount. And in this, the the most well-known, the greatest sermon of all time, Jesus brings up this issue of lust. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, they read, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So Jesus was making, he's talking to a group of Jews mostly. And in the Old Testament, uh, it was very clear, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says, you guys have heard that. You guys have heard that, that you shouldn't commit adultery. But he continues in verse, 20, in verse 28. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So a lot of times, Jesus, he takes the the law in the Old Testament, and he takes it to a whole nother level. Where in the Old Testament, previously, someone just couldn't commit adultery. But now, Jesus says that you can't even look at a woman lustfully. If you do look at someone with lustful intent, then guess what? Jesus says you have committed adultery in your heart. And so the Bible is clear. Jesus is clear. We shall not lust after other people. And that's what the porn industry is all about, trying to get us to lust after other people. And so to me, it seems pretty clear, a case in point, that the Bible is against the viewing, the production of pornography. It, it, it is black and white. No debate to be had. So that's the third topic. The last topic that we will uh, address this morning is homosexuality. Now, in this past uh, decade, homosexuality has become a very, very popular topic. Mainstream society uh, supports homosexuality, uh, case in point. Uh, Society tells us that we should express who we truly are. If you are a man and you are attracted to another man, then society tells us that that you should pursue that. You should pursue that and seek happiness because that is who you are as a human being. Society tells us that if you are a woman and you are attracted to other women, then society tells us pursue that. Pursue whatever will make you happy. That is who you are. We all deserve happiness. That's what society tells us. And society is normalizing this idea of a man being with another man and a woman being with another woman. Uh, Just last night, uh, while Jamie's family is in town, we watched uh, The Jungle Cruise on Disney+. Has anybody seen that movie? A couple of people. It was was a good movie. Um, In the midst of this good movie, a a movie that I would say uh, designed for children, um, one, one could say. And in the midst of this movie, uh, Disney, a company that's really tu- tutored towards children, had one of the main characters uh, be gay. Um, and so the society is trying to normalize uh, th- that being gay is completely normal and okay. And sometimes we see that even our society, that gay couples are viewed not just as ordinary people, but they're viewed as heroes, They're heroes because they step out in boldness and courage. They don't care what everyone else has to say or think. They're viewed as heroes sometimes in our society, people who engage in homosexual activity. 
So that's what society has to say about uh, this topic of homosexuality. Uh, now, before I delve into uh, what the Bible uh, has to say about homosexuality, I want uh, you all to know uh, that this topic of homosexuality uh, is extremely personal uh, to me. Uh, my older brother is indeed gay. My older brother, um, who some of you guys uh, may know, I think he stepped foot in this church before. Um, uh, he is now married uh, to a, uh, another man uh, for whatever that's worth. Um, I remember like it was yesterday, the day that uh, my parents told me uh, and my younger sister, Mackenzie, uh, that our brother uh, was gay. Um, I was around the middle school age. Um, and let me tell you, I so wish that I could tell my brother that the act of homosexuality is okay. I have a biasy. My biasy wants me to say that this act of homosexuality is okay and that it is an approved behavior. I have those emotions. I have that biasy in my life. And so as we talk about this, what the Bible has to say, I don't want any of you guys to think I'm some insensitive jerk uh, about this topic because this topic, again, is extremely sensitive and personal to uh, me and my family. Um, but when we seek out truth in our lives, we cannot, and I mean we cannot let emotions get in the way. We cannot let our biases get in the way. Our only source of authority of truth, we can't let feelings, we can't let emotions, we can't let biases. I don't care what someone told you yesterday, I don't care what someone told you last week or what someone is going to tell you. The only source of authority that we have here in in our modern day society is the Bible. And you can't let your feelings, you can't let your biases get in the way of interpreting the truth that we have. And so we see, uh, we can read in God's word today the uh, authoritative source of truth that we have available to us today. In Leviticus uh, chapter 18, uh, verse 22, another portion of uh, the law here. In Leviticus uh, chapter 18, uh, verse 22, it reads, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, uh, we have to understand that in their culture and in their society, the, these were addressed to the men. Uh, I, I'm sorry, ladies, but ladies, they didn't have um, the, the, the same sort of respect as the men did back in their day and age. So this is addressed to the men. And, and the men are told not to lie with a male as with a woman. Why? Because it is an abomination. It's an abomination to God when one man lies with another man. And we can read also in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses uh, 9 and 10. Here Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, Paul writes, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, excuse me, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swinelers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul here, in black and white statement right here, he says, men who practice 
homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God. The same exact sentiment is echoed, if you're taking notes, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. It's repeated in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. There is zero, and I mean there, there is zero debate uh, of what the Bible has to say about the act of homosexuality. Now, we don't have time to dig into, uh, you know, the temptations. We don't have time to dig into someone who is attracted. Uh, long story short, I don't think the attraction of uh, the, the homosexual attraction is a sin. But uh, in the Greek here, the, the word that is used is the actual practice. So people who engage now, again, we still have to stay away from lust, so, you can't, so a man can't lust after another man. But if a man is naturally attracted to another man, I don't think that, that, that is sinful. Just like I'm naturally attracted to woman, I don't think that is sinful. However, when I lust after other woman, yes, that, that indeed becomes a sinful behavior. But here, men who practice homosexuality, Paul says the words of Paul, the words of God's scripture, not my words, he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. There, there's no debate. If you go and, and search on the internet, is, is homosexuality a sin? I cannot believe what I read. People try to make a debate out of nothing. The, 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 the point, the case here is black and white. I, do, I, I, I don't understand how people try and claim that homosexuality is okay. It absolutely disturbs me. It gets on my nerves. Society telling us, forcing it down our throat, that that kind of behavior, the act of homosexuality, is okay. It's that sort of behavior that's causing people like my own brother, my own flesh and blood, who, by the way, at one point in time was a baptized believer who I looked up to, pray to God, God, I want to be like that guy who, who uh, seeking you first and foremost. It's causing people like him to fall away from their faith and to deny God. At the current rate my brother uh, is going, uh, someone who engages in the practice of homosexuality, uh, I'm not going to enjoy his company in God's kingdom. Paul tells me that. I will literally give up my life right now in a heartbeat for my brother to repent of his sin. Sorry, I don't like crying. I hardly ever cry in front of you guys. But I would give up my life right now in a heartbeat, no doubt about it, uh, if my brother were to repent of his sin and accept Jesus as a Savior. But unfortunately, the society that we live in today uh, has led him astray. And so, uh, yeah, I hope you can see why that absolutely drives me bonkers. But again, to me, the act of homosexuality, uh, zero debate, zero debate uh, to be had here, uh, according to God's word. And again, this goes in contrast uh, to what uh, society uh, has to tell us. But all in all, as we take a look at uh, this topic of sex, we see that according to the Bible, the only act of sex that is approved and actually encouraged in the Bible is sex between one husband and one wife. 
any sort of sexual behavior, sexual uh, activity outside of one husband and one wife uh, is condemned uh, in our Bible. And so we have to understand uh, that talking about sex is uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable for me to talk about it. I know it's uncomfortable for you guys to talk about it or hear me uh, talk about it. But due to what society is telling our children, do what society is trying to tell us as adults as well, uh, I think it needs to be addressed. I think we need to have these awkward, uncomfortable conversations with our children when they are at an appropriate age. And, and in my eyes, if they've had the talk, you guys know what talk I'm talking about, uh, then, then I say that they are at an age-appropriate time. Because if we're not talking about it, I can assure you the society around is talking about it. And society around them is telling them that, hey, engage in sexual activity. It's awesome. Sex is awesome. Sex is awesome between one husband and one wife, though. But society is telling to them, engage in it. Just stay away from the married folk, the people who are off the market. But other than that, engage in it. Society is telling us constantly to engage in, in this behavior of pornography. I mean, this industry is gigantic. Society is telling us, telling us, our children, that this act of homosexuality is okay. That these people engage in, in, in these acts of homosexuality, that we should view them not just as ordinary people, but we should view them as heroes. That's what society is telling us. And so we absolutely have to be talking about this issue of sex, no matter how awkward it makes us feel. We just got done with a seven-week series uh, and talking about how our lives should look different. We should look different from those around us. Why? Because we have been saved. We've been saved from sin. We, we, we've been justified. We've been forgiven. We've been sanctified. We are set apart. We are holy. We are saints. We are children of God. And so our conduct has to look different from mainstream society, and that includes our sexual lives as well. If, it lo if your sexual life looks identical to mainstream society, then something needs to change, and it needs to change yesterday. Because to put it simply, the Bible and society do not agree on the truth about sex. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the gift of eternal life. Father God, we thank you for forgiveness that is available to every human being. Father God, uh, I thank you for the gift of marriage, the appropriate setting to display uh, these sexual temptations and desires. Father God, uh, I know that uh, everyone here in this room as loved ones, family, friends, parents, children, spouses, whomever it may be, their sexual life does not live up to your standards. And Father, I just pray that you open our eyes to your truth and that we ourselves, that our loved ones, we can make our lives line up with your word 
I pray that you open the eyes of society around us, that they stop making heroes of people who are condemned. Father, at this time, I pray for my brother. Pray for everyone else's family members as well. We're not living up to your standards. Father, I just pray that we can reach them in a loving and gentle and honest manner. Father, again, I just thank you for the promise of eternal life. I look forward to spending an eternity with you and your precious son, Jesus, and, and those of us who live a sanctified life and have accepted your son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. So, Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this church. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.